is Lisa Nearing with another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network, along with True North Homeschool Academy. True North Homeschool Academy offers live online classes for K through 12th graders. Students can see, hear, and interact with their teachers and classmates. This is not passive learning, but dynamic, interactive, and fun. You can choose classes a la carte or as a bundle, making our already affordable classes a homeschool mama's dream. Check out all of our programs and classes at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. You can find us on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram. And of course, we would love for you to download and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes as well as share it with your friends. This month, we have been talking about the soft skill of work ethic. And today we're going to continue our discussion of work ethic and the power of grit and resiliency. My grandpa left his home in Missouri when he was 12. He traveled alone by train. I'm not sure if he brought a ticket or he stowed away, but he went to the Windy City and he got a job. He settled there, worked in factories, worked his way up to tool and die maker, and provided a good life for his wife and two children. He purchased a small four-room house off of Polanski Avenue, and along with his two young children, who was divorced and had gained custody of his kids, a rare thing in the early 40s, He hand dug a basement and added a bathroom, kitchen, bedroom, porch, and a two-car garage. My grandpa's life was full of hardship and struggle. He and his first wife adopted two children, an ordeal in those days, and went through a bitter divorce. He became a single father working nights, also an odd thing in those days. He later remarried in a Love Comes Softly vignette. He married my grandma with the deal that he would support her and her disabled mother while Graham raised his two kids and took care of the house. Graham's paralyzed mom died within the year, but Grandpa and Graham remained married until Grandpa's death in 1980. In the late 50s, my grandpa was hit by a car. He spent much of that year in the hospital, had rods and pins put in his back and legs, and was in a body cast for several months. A year later, he was finally able to return to work, but within a week, he slipped on ice and broke his leg. He went on permanent disability after that and managed the house and my Graham's numerous pets while Graham worked at GTA. My grandpa was born in 1896, and he was part of a generation that was called interbellum between the wars. This generation is characterized by the following, humility, an expected norm of dignity, modesty, and respect. It would have been unthinkable to my grandfather to wear underwear as outerwear, to talk to one's parents or an elder rudely, or to not give your seat in public to a woman or someone elderly. My grandfather's generation was also characterized by personal responsibility, People took the attitude that they could make something important and lasting with what they brought to the table, which often amounted to their creativity, critical thinking skills, and their mechanical and manual ability. My grandfather's family couldn't support all of their children on their farm in Missouri. So grandpa struck out on his own. He was responsible for making way for himself and pulling himself up by his bootstraps. My grandfather's generation was characterized by prudent savings. My grandpa and Graham worked hard all of their lives, but they never made more than $18,000 a year. Nevertheless, they paid for camps and music lessons for my sisters and I throughout our childhood. And my Graham died at 99 with almost three quarters of a million dollars in savings. They were frugal, but never stingy. They gave generously and instantly to those they loved and the causes they believed in, but they didn't waste and they never squandered. My grandfather's generation was characterized by faithful commitment. My grandparents got married by contract. He provided a regular income, shelter, and life's necessity, caring for my Graham's disabled mom, and Graham would keep the house and raise his kids. 
My mom was eight when Graham and Grandpa were married, and she was basically illiterate. So Graham spent that summer teaching mom how to read by reading her Shakespeare every day. If mom could read more at the end of the week than at the beginning, Graham and she would walk down to Woolworths, and mom could pick out a Mother Westwind story. They cost 65 cents at the time, and they actually still own the whole set. Graham's mom died within that year, but Grandpa and Graham kept their promise to each other and stayed together until Grandpa died in 1980. They weathered many storms together and were constantly committed to helping each other and their children through the storms of life, as well as celebrating its victories. My grandfather's generation was characterized by work ethic. At the time my grandpa lived, work was not an option. There were no government agencies in place. One worked to provide the food and shelter when needed, or one just went without. People took pride in the work that they did. My grandpa built the back half of his house by hand with, with the help of two small motherless children. They dug the basement out with shovels and wheelbarrows in the 1930s, and the house he built was home to my grandma until she died 86 years later. Grandpa took pride in his work, building cupboards and drawers that were still going strong 80 years after he originally built them. With today's easy access to everything, including food, shelter, clothing, medical care, and transportation, it's hard to even imagine the world that my grandpa lived in. Today, we have the opposite problem. Kids and young adults don't really have a strong work ethic and instead display a strong sense of entitlement. My grandpa traveled from Missouri at age 12 alone to Chicago, Illinois. He found a job, went to work, and created a life. He didn't cry abuse, bemoan his fate, become bitter about the hardships of his life. I never once heard my grandpa disparage his parents for not having enough to feed him or the circumstances that forced him to strike out alone at age 12. I never heard him bemoan his broken body or curse the government for not providing better coverage or health care. The only time I heard him angry ever was in regards to the corrupt politics of Chicago. Instead, he was a kind and gentle grandfather who supported my mom and dad financially and emotionally throughout his life. He loved my sisters and I and pulled half dollars out of our ears and sent us candy grams and called my grand mama, making her dinner every night as she came home from her job. He was grateful for what he had and the full life that God had blessed him with. My grandpa had what you would definitely call grit. He was determined, creative, innovative, and hardworking. If he didn't know how to do something, he would figure it out. Grit is something that you hear talked a lot about these days, and according to Angela Duckworth, author of the excellent book, Grit, it consists of the following. One, courage, strength in the face of pain or grief. Two, conscientiousness, wishing to do what is right, especially to do one's work or duty well and thoroughly. Third, perseverance. Persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Fourth, resilience, the capacity to quickly recover from difficulties, mental toughness. And lastly, passion. Passion is a strong desire that can get you to do amazing things. Passion is an emotion to be acted upon. Without action, passion yields nothing worthwhile. Passion is the fuel and the fire of action. When you have passion for something, you love it even when you hate it. Currently, we live in an age where many of our kids are being raised, literally raised by social media. Dr. Kathy Koch, author of Kids and Screens, you can see a review of that on the North Homeschool Academy blog site, warns of the dangers of this in her book. She mentions some serious fallout of leaving our kids to manage their own screen time. Social media enforces the following five lies for our kids. Lie number one, I am the center of my universe. Number two, I deserve to be happy all the time. Number three, I must have my own choices. Number four, I am my own authority. And number five, 
Information is all I need, so I don't need teachers. These lessons our kids are being taught on social media are keeping them from growing to maturity and also keeping them grit-free. So let's just talk really quickly about how to grow grit. Grit comes about by raising our kids with specific experiences and goals, teaching them self-efficiency. First of all, build emotional connection with your kids. Help them connect with extended family and wider community. Social media is creating a culture that is lonelier than ever before. And if you look at any of the research on this, it's coming in loud and clear that this social media saturated society and culture is lonelier than ever. But we must be intentional about creating wider community. Secondly, promote healthy risk-taking. This includes a lot of outdoor adventure, climbing walls, traveling, experiencing life beyond school and home, and beyond the screen. Third, resist the urge to fix everything for your kids. Allow them to fail, to not measure up, and to have to work hard to achieve. They don't need an award for showing up. Fourth, teach problem-solving skills, including critical thinking, Formal and informal logic, deductive and inductive reasoning, and creatively solving small and large problems all contribute to our kids' ability to think critically. Fifth, label emotions so that your kids understand what they're feeling and how to cope with it. Naming feelings allows your kids to manage those feelings appropriately. Six, demonstrate coping skills such as deep breathing, mindfulness, and pushing the pause button. All of these things allow people to come back to difficulties and push through them. And it also gives them the ability to know when to step back and then completely walk away if needed. Seven, teach your kids to fail forward. Failure isn't an end. It's just a time to regroup. Failure avoiders are often very anxious and they become actually risk avoidant. But embracing mistakes helps promote a growth mindset and helps kids realize that they can make mistakes, fail, and then move on. Everyone who succeeds knows that failure is just part of it. Eight, optimism and resiliency often go hand in hand. Start a gratitude journal. Write down the things you're grateful for each and every day. It will change your actual brain function. Vicki Tillman of Seven Sisters and I touched on this in the the interview that I did with her just a couple weeks ago. I'll put the link in the show notes for you so you can check it out. Nine, model resiliency. We all face stressful situations, but not everyone knows how to use coping and calming techniques to calm themselves and move on to the next thing. Again, deep breathing, mindfulness, all these things will help you move on to the next solution. 10, go outside. Nature helps the mind reset. And lastly, develop a faith walk that is vibrant and rich. Following a living God takes us places we don't expect and often finds us doing things we never imagined we would be. So while developing grit is really admirable, we also need to know when to quit. Whether persistence is desirable depends on our goal. Okay, studies show that grit, a combination of passion and perseverance for a singularly important goal is the hallmark of high achievers in every single domain. So we can all grow our grit ability, but we need to be intentional about it. This is Lisa Nearing with True North Homeschool Academy. If you're looking for some great homeschool classes that will cause your kids to be challenged and grow their grit, check out our website.